This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, welcome into the Stink Truth Podcast. Mark Schler alongside Mike Evans and um, Championship City here in Denver, Colorado yep. as the Nuggets... Won their first NBA title in 47 years. And I feel like, I, I got to be honest with you. I, Mike, I got to be honest. So let me just tell you kind of how it works as a former professional athlete. I was a huge football fan as a kid. And I followed the Steelers because when, when I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, the morning game would be the Steelers. The afternoon game would always be the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd watch the morning game, and then we'd go to church. And so the Steelers were my team as a kid, and they were winning championships, obviously, so they were easy for me to root for. But those are the guys that were heroes in my life. Those are the guys that I wanted to become like. Those are the guys that inspired me to, to live out this childhood dream of being an NFL player. And that was really the last time that I was truly kind of a fan. And I've got to tell you, this run of the Nuggets, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I have a relationship with the head coach, Michael Malone, but, dude, I was living and dying with every shot, with everything that went down. This whole run to a championship for me, I finally kind of understand, you know, that some of the stuff that I've scoffed at, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you guys are so emotional about right? I finally, like, I'm a, like, I was a real fan during this run, even more so than I was last year with the Avalanche's run to the championship. It, this was a really cool thing for me. So, so now, with all the fans out there watching, football fans, mm -hmm. you now understand where they're all coming from. With the passion, I, yeah, I, I, and the, I have a better understanding. Anger yeah. and the enthusiasm and the fanaticism that that surrounds their love for their team, you now have a better understanding of. I have a better understanding because I I felt it. I felt it over the course of of this run. I felt it as I was in different parts of the country doing events and watching the Nuggets play and being surrounded by Laker fans and just talking smack. I just I. Like, it's been a different experience for me, and it's felt really cool. So congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. I feel like we all here in Denver won a championship. And congratulations to Stan Kroenke, who is on a heater right oh now. Oh, my gosh, right? With the Rams, the Avalanche, and now mm -hmm. the Nuggets. Is Stan Kroenke the best owner in sports? Right. Now, wait, you, you, you left, you know, now you're going to piss off soccer guy, right? Was it soccer guy or 
No, not soccer guy. Well, he owns the he mammoth. Owns, well, no, he owns a he owns an indoor lacrosse team. Right, the mammoth are the ones that won another a championship during though too that, during that run. During that yes. run and right. he also owns the soccer. But that's team, the lo- that's lacrosse. Sorry, but never mind. Okay, soccer fan, forget it. We don't like you anyhow. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a heater this guy has been on, right? right? I mean, he won a world championship for 22, uh, 21 season, but twenty two for the Rams, then twenty two for the for the Avalanche, and now twenty three with the Nuggets. Um, I'll tell you what. That's not by accident. No. So what is it about this guy as an owner that that allows him to have the success that he has? I think I think the biggest thing is when it comes to championship organizations, ownership, not just appointing people, but empowering people to do their job. I think the thing that's interesting to me is you know, the Rams. He hired Sean McVay, but he empowered Sean McVay to be the grand poobah of all things football, right? And in combination with Les Snead, their GM, they went about winning a championship not by organically home-growing the team so much, and they had a lot of those organic guys, but they went out and got, they went out and got, you know, Matthew Stafford. They went out and got, um, Andrew Whitworth. They they went out and got guys to fill the the void, right? They went out and, and dumped their draft picks and said, "Hey, we're going to throw caution to the wind. We're going to try to to build this thing through free agency and put a team together that can win a championship." Now, uh, some of it, obviously, Aaron Donald was a draft pick. There's a there's a lot of draft, but you know, most people would tell you in the NFL, in NFL parlance, that. They, they buck the trend, right? Well, you mortgage the future and blah, 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 right? Who cares? We won a championship. But you look at the Nuggets and the way the Nuggets were constructed. The Nuggets are, and same with the Avalanche, they're pretty much organically yep. homegrown. Yep. You know, with draft and develop. Draft and develop, you know, and, and of course you make a few trades here and there and you get a couple of guys along the way, but it's really about your core philosophy of we're going to home grow these guys, we're going to draft them, we're going to develop them, they're going to grow together and they're going to become bonded. And I think that's the thing for me that's so special about the Nuggets is I love that kind of relational aspect of what they do and the fact that these guys are sold out for one another. Like there's nobody, they, it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. And that's truly like Aaron Gordon, case in point, not that he was homegrown, he was traded for, but he was a fourth overall pick uh, from Orlando. He was their leading scorer. He was that guy. He was the guy. Right. That and man. Then you come to the Nuggets and go, hey, guess what? That's not going to be your role here. You're going to be the defensive stopper. We're going to put you on the toughest matchup every night, night in and night out. And, um, and you know, there'll be nights where you score 27 like you did in game four, and there'll be nights where you score four like you did last night in game five. And guess what? You're going to help us win a championship that way. And he embraces it as he's running around shirtless, right, after the game, downtown, like celebrating with fans. It just is an incredible run by the Denver Nuggets, so congratulations to them. Absolutely. Um, and, and Stan Kroenke, I, I guess maybe it it sounds like a simple formula to follow, but it's amazing how many owners don't hire good people and let them do their job well, because and stay out of the way. Maybe because Stan Kroenke is not a friend of the camera. Like I'm not calling him ugly, 
not beautiful, but I'm not calling him ugly. I'm right. just saying that he's a little socially un- awkward, uncomfortable. <laughs> so it, it, Lisa Selters is doing the interview, you know, and it here's the mic and she's like gives it to him and he goes and he gets right uh, like in her ear and he's like, wh- like he's whispering. She's holding the mic and he's talking in her ear, not like addressing the 19,000 fans that are still there. Like it was. It was a strange interview. Maybe that's why he's not in the forefront of anything. <laughs> Hire somebody else to do that stuff so I can just sit back and collect championships. Uh, a lot of stuff happening. A lot of news. Always news being made in the NFL. Dalvin mm. Cook. Yeah. How? Um, Boy, just doesn't how, it go to show you the value of the running wow. back position? Get your money when you can. Like what? But honestly, like from a business model standpoint, why would you? Like, why would you invest heavily in a running back? You draft the guy, you eat him up for four or five years, mm-hmm. then you cut him loose. Yeah. So Dalvin Cook is 27. He's had four straight seasons of 1,000 yards or more. And look at the, yeah, hey, man, it's been a good run. Thanks for your, you know. But thanks. that goes hand in hand, though, with how that gets the position is viewed now. Sure. Because there was a time when running backs were, were all the, 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 I mean, you had to have one. Right. So is it, it, it's not really a reflection on these guys as, as players. It's just no, it's the, the, it's, the, the way that the role is. Now right. I was, I was part of the NFL when you had to have a fullback that was essentially yeah. a glorified guard, right? And then basically three-quarters of the team didn't even have one on their roster. It just became, it, it, it went the way of the dodo bird, right? It just became extinct. And now it's coming back, but they're more hybrid players. They're, you know, they're pass catchers. They're guys that fullback slash. They can play kind of that movement H-back tight end type of position. But they're they're difference-making type of fullbacks. They're not the, other than the Baltimore Ravens, they're not the big brawny, you know, run it downhill and smash you in the mouth type of fullbacks. So it's the evolution of the position. And now you look at it like, Saquon Barkley is disgruntled. Yeah. You got Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, who's disgruntled. You've got Dalvin Cook. They just say, "Hey, see you around sometime. Thanks for all the service. Zeke you were awesome." Looking Zeke for Elliott. Elliot. Yeah. And I think the other thing for NFL teams is you understand the shelf life of this position. So they're like, "Well, why would we invest right now? Like, if I'm going to get a running back, I'm going to wait until after the first week of the season, rely on some of my young guys early." And then those guys will be ready, and I'll grab them, and I won't have to guarantee their contracts, and I'll pay them a, a one-year deal, and you know we'll throw them a couple million dollars, which is like scraps off a Longshanks table, and then like you'd be good. Like let's roll. Like it, it, it is a it's a position that has just been devalued, and it's a shame because Saquon Barkley, like what he did, and I called several Giants games last year. Like, we always want to make it about genius and about how we're, oh, this coach is so smart and this is like, like, Brian Dable calls down to the to the coordinator and goes, hey, uh, you know what I'm thinking? Give it to 26. <laughs> like, give it to him. Like, hand it to him, pitch it to him, um, throw it to him, and then hand it to him again. And then pitch it and throw it and toss it. Toss it. One, but one time, work it in change up and toss it to him. Toss it. Like, I mean... That's their game. Like that, they're wearing people out. But like you keep you keep playing that way. How long do you last? But the coaches are acknowledging the importance of these guys, the value of these guys. By the way, they're just as you yeah. just with Saquon Barkley, with the way Dalvin Cook's been used over the years mm-hmm. in Minnesota, Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. 
the, the, the NFL is telling us that they still value what these guys do, mm-hmm. but they just don't want to pay them. Right, because they're telling you the value is great in what they do, especially in a league that, you know, emphasizes the passing game 65% of the time. When you can run it and you've got a back that has the versatility to be a three-down guy, so there is no tell. So we're running it, we're throwing it, hey, it's third down and six, and the run is still open. Hey, it's third down and four, the run is still open. We don't have to throw it, but we can throw it. We can do whatever we want. The value of those guys is huge, but they're also telling you at the same time the shelf life of these guys is limited. And so, Are they telling us that the shelf life is limited or it's easier than you think to replace these guys and still get the same kind of value that they provide? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both in, in that, you know, I've, I've always said, this goes way back um, when I first started, um, when I first started in television, and I used to piss off Merrill Hodge, a good buddy of mine. I love Merrill. You know, he's one of the great people and a great. Why tie? Yeah, the great football analyst, <laughs> Merrill. But I'd be I'm always like, oh, well, it's the easiest it's the easiest position in football to transition from college to pro, right? Hey, here it is. Hand off to the right. Go. You're like, if you can see it and you can feel it and, you know, just used to irritate Merrill to no end. But I do think that we see in in football in general Great running backs in college, and they transition pretty readily. Even even guys that are late-round draft choices, they seem to be able to, if you've got a natural instinct and natural vision, it seems like a lot of those guys in- seamlessly transition to the NFL, probably more so than any other position. Would you not agree with that? Right. So I, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of the deal to where you say, hey, man, the learning curve at this position, maybe in pass protection, a couple other things is, is you know, there's a learning curve there. But if it just comes to straight running the football and doing some things, catching the football out of the backfield, doing all that, that this is one of the positions that transitions, um, like the game, the game matches, if you will. Like it's not, it's not such a stretch, like it is for a lot of receivers, or it is like a lot of offensive and defense or offensive linemen. For it is. Uh, for the quarterback, right? It, this is this is one position that really kind of translates. So, if you're the Giants, what's what happens here? Because they put the franchise tag on him. Mm-hmm. Barkley is reluctant to sign it. Giants are reluctant to give him a long term deal. Right. So we got the classic game of chicken going on right now. Yeah. Who wins? What What is Barkley's importance to to the Giants? Right. And all those things you just said yeah. about how this is a message that the NFL is sending, but in this case, are the Giants in a position where they have no choice but to pay this guy? Right. I think it's I think it's a very interesting kind of game of chicken as you described it. And with Barkley, he's such a huge part of that offense, both running the ball and catching the ball. And then let's face it, you know, Daniel Jones had his breakout year, number breakout year, and they paid Daniel Jones. His breakout year came with 15 touchdowns and seven touchdowns rushing. Um, and l- let me tell you, he was he was really good in an offense that was, you know, simplified and really relied and ran through the actuator of that offense, which was Saquon Barkley. So, how much of how much of his success, Mike? You have to ask yourself if you're the Giants, how much of 
of Daniel Jones's success was directly attributable. Ooh, attributable. Nailed it. Two in a row. Uh, how much Words, of his wordsmith? Yes. How much of his success can you pin on Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. and the way you know the way defenses have to account for him? And and I would tell you a lot. So I think they're kind of in between a rock and a, can you come up with something that something that satisfies Saquon, but also is very manageable with outs after maybe two seasons. So it's as simple as this. If you have a studded quarterback, running back position is move them in, move them out. Right. right. If you're not sure you have the quarterback, now maybe the running back becomes a little bit more important. You know where they don't have to worry about the running back? Buffalo. They have Josh Allen, mm-hmm. cover boy now, for the next Madden game. Oh, wow. Okay. And by the way, you're you're listening to, you're watching somebody who once had a 99 rating yes. on Madden. One yeah. of the few people who ever had. Now, was it back then they were giving out? 99s like candy. Yeah, I think a little bit. I think a little I bit more. A little bit. A little bit more stringent now yeah, these days. They, yeah, they were just like, hey, you get a 99. It was like a, <laughs> a was Christmas like episode of Oprah. You get a 99. You get a 99. You get a 99. But I had a 99. You had a 99. Yeah, you can so always, don't, don't always mess with that. me. Mark don't mess with me. 99. That's right. Um, yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, Pretty good quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, but but he's there's a guy too. Where yeah, where is he at right now? Yeah, there's a guy right now that I think probably like he it's it's interesting kind of the the career trajectory that he's been on. So he comes in with a lot of question marks about accuracy, really is kind of a run first almost like what Daniel Jones did, right? Then he becomes this big time over the top, you know, just throw it into a tight window guy. And and then here, even last year, questions about you know decision making in the red zone and interceptions in the red zone and and da 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 da, da. and so like and, and then the question mark also is man how much more are you going to run this guy like when we think about running quarterbacks you know you think wow Jalen Hurts he ran the ball a lot or you know what like you look at Josh Allen man he's Number one, he's number two or three when it comes to rushing yards and attempts and everything. He's right there. It, you know, it's Jalen Hurts, it's it's Josh Allen, then it's Daniel Jones, and then like, like it's it's pretty remarkable. And at I understand that he's six foot five and he's two fifty and he's really smart and all those things. But what's the overall shelf life of that dude? Because eventually, you know what's going to happen? Eventually. Somebody's going to catch you. Somebody's going to get you. They're going to catch you. And then it then it becomes problematic. So wh- where is Josh Allen now? G- give me some give me some comps, I guess, with other quarterbacks in the past that maybe you you feel comfortable saying this is where Josh Allen is right now at this stage of his career in terms of what's next. Are we talking about a, you know, like a, a Dan Marino type? Are we talking about a, a Dan Fouts type? Mm. You know, somebody who's an undeniable, you know, great quarterback and yeah. is easily talked about as one of the top quarterbacks yes. in the in the league. Every but, year MVP candidate. But you know they got to take that next. You got to get. You got to get over the top. I, I. You know the guy that popped into my head, right off the bat was Steve Young. Okay. 
And Steve Young was really, when he came in, he was scrambling around in Tampa, doing all those things. Started his, his career in the XFL at the, uh, or not XFL, but USFL, I think, uh, with the LA Express, if I remember correctly. Um, and then when he came in, you know, ran around, did all those things. Then in San Francisco, I had to sit behind Joe Montana, kind of continue to to learn the game and, and compete with Joe Montana. Um, and in early, you know, there was a lot of even in the San Francisco days, there was a lot of big scrambles and a lot of hey, you got to protect yourself. And then we became an absolute surgeon, just eating, just ripping people apart in the passing game. And I think there's there's a similar kind of you know, storyline, if you will, with Josh Allen. Um, now, I I truly believe that Buffalo needs to take some pressure off of him. So it doesn't always have to be Josh Allen. Like, like I always kind of resonate with, with one of the things that Elway taught, or told me when we were playing together. It's like he got to a point later in his career where it's like, like your guys' job is first and second down. That's not... It's not what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys go play. Go play, you know? <laughs> Pat you on the head. You guys go ahead. I can hear John say that, yeah, by the way. Guys go. Yeah. Yeah. My job is third down. Yeah. My job is to convert. My job is critical situations. But I think one of the things that, that over the last year or so, two years of calling games, one of the things that I find with really good coaching staffs and really good, like, play callers is they all have this same kind of philosophical approach. They may have different language when they describe it, but it, it's all about, they, they call a, a breather plays. Like what are we going to do to take the pressure off our quarterback in certain situations? So, Hey man, if, if, if we're going to play 65 plays, right? 40 of those is going to be intense pressure on him to diagnose the defense, read the defense correctly, you know, throw it where they ain't. Who are we going to put in conflict? Is that guy actually in conflict? Do I throw it short? Do I throw it deep? Like, like all the different things that you have to do as a quarterback, right? And manage the game and manage the clock and manage the time. I've got to have, you know, some, some people call them tank plays. I've got to have, if, if it's if it's 40 times they're going to be under duress mentally, that I have to have those 15 plays that take that mental stress off of them. Or it's a call it and run it, just hand it to the running back. Call it and run it, just pitch it. Call it and run it, just throw a bubble. Like it just becomes a no-brainer. You don't have to think on this one. Just yeah. execute the play. And and I think that's a big part of the next step for, for Josh Allen is everything is on this guy to me and there are no like mental breaks for him and at some point you've got to call a game that takes that pressure off of that guy you know you've got to be able to get in the red zone and say hey man we got this we're just going to cram it down somebody's throat and it not it doesn't have to be hey find the right matchup get to the right matchup get to it on time like you know and, and you got to win your one-on-one like at some point you've got to take a little bit of pressure off the guy it's an interesting time for guys like Josh Allen, because we just came off a 20-year run in the NFL where, you know, the championships were dominated by really only a few guys. Mm-hmm. You had Brady, you had Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. Right. We're all multi, multiple Super Bowl winners. And then you had 
the guys Flacco were able to there. pick one out. You yeah. know, you had your Breeze, you had your Flacco, Rodgers. Um, but I, I wonder, do you see, like over these next 20 years, is it going to be similar in that, hey, you're only going to see maybe a few quarterbacks kind of dominate the Super Bowls, mm-hmm. and everyone else is going to be trying to pick up scraps. Yeah. Do you see that same kind of scenario unfolding? Because there are there are a lot of talented quarterbacks out there. Is it going to be spread out, or are we going to continue to see yeah. just maybe three or four guys kind of dominate the hardware? Yeah. If you if you go back through history, Mike, you, know, you go back to the seventies. Yeah. It's. Terry Bradshaw, Bradshaw and it's Roger Staubach, Staubach, right? Yeah. You go to the '80s; it's Joe Montana and Steve Young. You know the the Redskins did it with three different quarterbacks yep. and Theismann and Doug Williams and uh, and Mark Rippon. But um, but for the most part, it is always a handful of guys. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the crazy thing is is we tend to put so much on the quarterback position and, and rightfully so. I mean, the quarterback position is, is in, of course of, of, you know, ultimate importance, but it really comes down to me team it comes down to who's got the best team, who's got the best culture and who can dictate in, in critical situations. So like, like I always used to get in this argument back in the day with Philadelphia Eagle fans they hated my guts. They'd lead the league in rushing, and I used to say it all the time, sometimes on purpose just to get under their skin because you know how I Mark Schler, right? snark. So they'd lead the league in rushing in yard per carry and, and yard total yards. I'd be like, well, the Eagles don't know how to run the ball. An Eagle fan would go crazy, just crazy. What do you mean we lead the league? Run the ball is not on a third down and seven, handing it to Shady McCoy and popping one for 56 yards. Right. You know, you've got 21 rushes, 19 of them for, were for two yards or less. Then you had two breakouts, and all of a sudden you have 142 yards rushing. That's not running the ball. See, to me, the great football teams can dictate in certain situations. So when you know we're running it, and I know we're running it, yep. And everybody in the crowd knows we're running it. And you got the line of scrimmage stacked up. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to run it down your freaking throat. Mm-hmm. Or when everybody in their brother's uncle knows you're going to throw it and knows you got to get 12 yards and you can hold up in protection, you can stymie them on the line of scrimmage, and you can get your quarterback to get to that third receiver who shakes somebody loose and just throws an absolute pellet. Like, those are the teams that will win. <laughs> And there's that's a really hard thing to do. This might be a hard question, or maybe it might be easy. But I'm gonna ha- let you have a little fun with it. Okay. All right. Let's say over these next 20 years, mm-hmm. we only see four repeat champion quarterbacks. Okay. And I already give you one. Right, Mahomes. With Mahomes, one. so you only have to give me three more. Who are the other three quarterbacks? If we just came off Brady, Peyton, Eli, and and Ben as your repeat Super Bowl winners over the last 20 years, give me your four quarterbacks over the next 20 years, 15, 20 years, that you think win multiple Super Bowls. And I already, I already gave right. you one. Mahomes, mm-hmm. obviously. 
There would be my next guy would be Burrow. Burrow, okay. Burrow would be my next guy. Um, Jalen Hurts, and that's that's not only Jalen Hurts and what he was able to accomplish, but that is the respect I have for how Philadelphia has built their football team. Yep. <laughs> like, those dudes are, like, you know, they don't let attrition ruin a strength on their football team. You know how hard that is? Mm-hmm. How hard it is for an organization to go, wow, our O-line or our D-line is really solid. We don't have to draft there and build anymore. And then all of a sudden, two years later, you look at it and go, how do we get old? How do we get broken? We're not good there anymore. And we didn't develop any players. We didn't draft anybody. We didn't develop anybody. And now we're screwed. Like Philly has done a really good job of going, hey, we're really strong there. Let's fortify it. We'll lose somebody in free agency. Let's build it. Right? Same with the D-line. They understand the line of scrimmage. And I'd go the last one, if you asked me to go four, would be Josh Allen. Okay. So very much like what you said, we got we got three and one, right? You got three AFC quarterbacks in one with Eli Manning being the one from That's the right. NFC. That's right. And it was the same thing here with the AFC. We got three AFC guys in one NFC guy. So let me see now. You're telling Dak Prescott in Dallas, Justin Herbert in the Chargers, Lamar in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Tua in Miami, Let's keep going. Uh, we'll go with uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Uh-huh. We'll go with uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, all these uh, quarterbacks that teams are investing Justin in. Justin Fields. Justin Fields, all yeah. these teams, you're fighting for scraps over the next 15 years. And if you can get one, I mean, great. Ma- magical you, season. Awesome. But, yeah. but you don't see any of these guys I just listed as being multiple Super Bowl winners. That that is re- that no. is reserved for Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and Hurts. Okay, that's kind of where. I mean, I don't I don't know anybody else in the NFC. I was just you know off, that was all off the top of my head. But yep. you, you see, I mean, I don't see Daniel Jones. I don't see uh, uh, Kyler Murray doesn't do it for me. I don't. Um, Geno Smith, no. I mean. You know, Brock Purdy, is he going to win multiple championships? Like, they might win one because I think San Francisco is right. is coached exceptionally well. I Jordan think Love. He built Jordan Love in Green Bay. You know, do you believe in Jared Goff in sure. Detroit? Yeah. Kirk Cousins, as long as, you know, they played the Super Bowl at 11 o'clock. <laughs> in the morning? At 11 o'clock or in noon. the morning, yeah, with, with no TV cameras. Like, I think that he... Wow, that's cold. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that he'd have a chance, but... Viking fans, unfortunately, that's Mark Schlereth right over there. <laughs> they, I, I mean, I have played in three of them. Unfortunately, they play those things in prime time. Yes. Yeah, I yes. don't know if you guys know that yeah. in Minnesota. You are, are aware of that. Yes, you yeah. are aware. They do play those things it's in prime time. It's dark out when you play. <laughs> <laughs> I played one in Minnesota. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so right, anyhow. That's a great question. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Like, and, and you're right. It does seem like there'll be scraps, but it does seem like those you know, go to three or four quarterbacks 
with and and obviously those quarterbacks have a lot to do with how good those organizations mm-hmm. are. But anyhow, hey, listen for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, please share it with your friends, download it, subscribe, do whatever you guys do. Uh, for Mike, I am Mark. We'll talk to you later on in the week.